Going to the book of Romans this morning, Romans chapter 12. I probably read this verse of scripture thousands of times. Preached on it several hundred, I guess, in 50 years. And here we are doing it again. Sometimes it seems that preachers, and it's not just me, I listen to other preachers and they, they get hung on some of these same verses. They have a section. It seemed like it would run for a, for a space. It's been a while since I was on Romans chapter 12. Maybe I read it three or four weeks ago, but before that it had been a long time. But I want to read in chapter 12 of the book of Romans, and I won't ask you to stand, but I want you to look with me in this, and I want to ask questions as we go down it. And I pray that God might help us to understand what God wants us to Preach on today, Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and verse number 2, and that we pray that God will help us. And Paul said, how many books, by the way, did Paul write in the New Testament? Anybody know? Huh? Fourteen. Somebody got it. Who said that? Two or three of you said, fourteen. All right. And how many New Testament books are there? Twenty-seven. Now, some will argue with you, and they'll say that Hebrews is not Paul's book, but I counted as Paul's book because you read some things that goes along with it. At least I feel like it's Paul's book. Might not be, but at least 13 out of those. But I say 14. And if there's 27, subtract 14 from it, that leaves you how many? 13. So Paul wrote the majority of the New Testament. You understand that? And uh, he, he's the apostle. The apostle, the Bible calls him an apostle to the Gentiles. You know what a Gentile is, don't you? Who are Gentiles? Not just her, you are too. He pointed his wife here. If you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. I don't care what color, race, or whatever you are. If you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. That's how the Bible classifies. There's not but three groups of people in the Bible. The Bible majors around. I'm just giving you a little history. You got the Jew, the Gentile, and the church. Now the church is made up of Jew and Gentile. Y'all familiar with that, aren't you? Amen. There are Jews that have been saved. They're in the church. There are Gentiles that have been saved in the church. But there are Gentiles that have not been saved and are in the church. And there's some Jews in the church that have been saved, but there's some Jews in the church that hadn't been saved. I didn't mean to confuse you. Maybe I'll clear that up with the message, all right? Hebrew, uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Paul said, I beseech. What's that word beseech mean? Beg, plead with. Paul said, I beseech you, or I, I beg you, I plead you. He said, therefore, brethren. Who's the brethren? Saints of God. Amen. Born again people. We call those who are saved brethren. Amen. You wouldn't call an old drunk a brother unless he's your physical brother. But he's not your spiritual brother. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. 
and be not conformed. Here's some big words. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Let me just say something about this. Kids used to, and I guess they still do. I don't have any now. Well, I got them, but they, they don't play with these things. They got bigger toys. And uh, they played with what they call transformers. Amen. When I was young, I'm, a transformer is what you step voltage up and down with. That's all I know in electronic circuits. But then they had transformers that take these things and move them, and many of them would turn in uh, to, to monster-looking things. And I, there's a reason for that. Amen. And uh, we'll talk about maybe if we get to it. But I just want to share that with you. Now let's pray. Ask God's leadership. Father, we thank you today for the privilege of prayer. Lord, we don't today know the hearts of anybody in this building but our, by our own and Lord we're kind of vague on that we know what you've done for us we know the blood's been applied we know we belong to you but Lord there's a lot of things that we don't understand or comprehend won't till we get to your place but I pray God this morning you help us to understand the word of God to rightly divide the word of God help us not to get in anything we don't know about and Lord, help us not to add anything to our thinking or what we think. But God, may we take the Word of God at face value, believe it, preach it, proclaim it, and then walk out of here trying to live by it. We'll give you the praise and the glory. If there's somebody on there under the sound of our voice today that's not saved, don't know you as Savior, I pray God you'd speak to their precious heart. Lord, convict them of their sin. Lord, do what needs to be done in their life, and we'll give you the praise. Now, the will of God, touch their heart, we'll give you the praise. Touch our audience, Lord, online. And Lord, you might deal with them as they listen to this message. And I pray, God, you'll speak to them wherever they are around the world. We'll give you the praise, the glory for it. Send conviction through the sound waves. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, looking with me, please, this morning, I want you to look. At chapter 12, verse 1, Paul said, I beseech you, I beg you, uh, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye... Now notice what he's trying to tell us. We present. God wants us to present something to Him. What is it He wants us to present? He said, I want you to present your bodies. Your bodies. He said, preacher, I'm going to give you my hand. That's not your body. That's your hand of your body. He said, preacher, I'll give him my feet to walk for him. He wants your body. You said, I'll give him my mind so that I can think for him. He don't need nobody to think for him. He wants your body. So we got to get our bearings straight and see what God wants. Now he's speaking to the people of God, those who have been saved. He's not talk, talking to the grunk, drunkard, the harlot. He's not talking to that and that's nearest hell. He's talking to those who are blood-bought, blood-washed, born again, saved, and on their way to heaven. Now that's the crowd Paul's talking to. He's not talking to the unbeliever here. He's talking to the believer. Amen. These people in this world that believe there's some people in this world that don't believe. The bad thing is sometimes to be a believer and not believe. Uh, you said, I didn't think you could do that. Oh yeah, there's a lot of things 
believers, they can be saved but not believe the doctrines of the Word of God. And uh, we need to be believers of the Word of God and it will sink in deep. Amen. We need to learn to live by faith. God's people live by faith. I thought of a story, I guess a while ago in one of the songs that we were singing in the choir. And uh, it was about Dr. Percy Ray. Some of you may have heard the old preacher, Dr. Percy Ray, out of Myrtle, Mississippi. I was, uh, and I was in, had the privilege of preaching at Myrtle, Mississippi. Ned knowed him and met him, had fellowship with him, eat with him a few times. He was a man, he'd never been married. He was a strong preacher. I mean, strong. And I'd go out to the meetings with him, but this was told of him when he started Myrtle, uh, the camp meeting in Mount Zion in uh, Myrtle, Mississippi. And he got down praying. He got the property. He had property to build a, a, a tabernacle on to have a camp meeting with and have build a church on and he was praying. He got down and he said, Lord, show me what to do. Show me what to do. We don't have no money. We're broke. And you told me to build a tabernacle. You told me to build a church. What am I to do? And said the Holy Spirit told him, said, Percy, you go get you a shovel. And you start that building. He said, what do you want me to do? He said, I want you to go right down there somewhere and dig you, yourself a ditch. He said, Lord, why everybody think I'm crazy? I don't know what you mean by that. So he passed it off. Prayed again later. And, and God said, Percy, get you a shovel and dig a ditch. I ain't going to help you till you do. He said he kept praying. Finally, he decided God meant business. He went down there on the side of the road and got his shovel up and dug a little bit, a little ditch and throwed three or four shovels up. And he said, this car come flying down the road and stopped and pulled over. And he said, uh, feller jumped out, kind of dignified looking feller. And he said, what are you doing? He said, you'd have to know Brother Percy Ray. I said, look like I'm building, a, I'm digging a ditch. He was just had an old gruff voice like that. And, and uh, he said, well, amen. He said, I've been from Texas and God told me get on the road and ride down the road till I saw somebody digging a ditch. <laughs> he said, well, here I am. He said, God told me to give you this and gave him a big old check. Paid for that camp and the stuff out there. And I thought, he had faith. He had to grow into it though. Amen. Sometimes God has to speak to me more than once, more than twice, more than three times. But God won't continue to keep speaking. So Paul says here, what I want you to do is I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body. Somebody said, preacher, I didn't think we was in days of sacrifice. We don't. We don't have to have an animal. Old Testament economy from Genesis to Malachi, they had to offer a bullock, a goat, a lamb. Amen. You said, why? For their salvation. Not for them to say, get saved, but to show what God is going to do. You know how you get saved? Get saved by the gospel. You know what the gospel is? Death, burial, and resurrection. 
of the Lord Jesus Christ according to the Scriptures. That's how you get saved. On Wednesday night, I believe I talked about that. You get saved in the Old Testament by faith and blood. You get saved in the New Testament by faith and blood. And you get saved after the church is gone by faith and blood. Salvation is one way. God is the only way. And it's through Christ. There's none other name given among men whereby we must be saved. Now, we're going to talk about this in a minute, but religion has tried to save people. And religion has tried to save some of you, no doubt. And I'm going to tell you what it's going to do to you. If you, I'm going to remind you, you probably already know, but I'm going to remind you in case you've forgotten. But as I look in the Word of God this morning, I know that Adam and Eve, you said, how did they get saved? Well, they made, first of all, without any, any you know, there's innocence. That's what they were. And God said, the day that you eat of that fruit, that you're forbidden to eat of, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you're going to die. And uh, Eve didn't pay no attention because the devil convinced her to take that fruit. And she convinced Adam to take that fruit. And I believe he done it because he knew he didn't want to be separated from her. Now you can say what you want to, but I believe it, he did that. And the human race has fallen since then. But now I want to tell you, how did they get saved after... They sinned against God by the gospel. Amen. Praise God. About to have a spell myself, so I must have a little gospel. Gospel. Spell it. G O S P E L. There's a spell in gospel. And He teaches us to go. So I'm going to go and have a spell. Well, I'm a going. Now that's original. I, don't, I ain't never heard nobody say that, but I, you know, it's like that. I've heard them say talk about a spell in it. But hey, man, I'm excited because I answered the call. You said, "How'd they get the gospel? They didn't have no preacher. Preacher, they didn't have no preacher. How'd they get a gospel in the garden? Who's the author of the gospel?" God, the Son, came and died for us. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the gospel. Well, He hadn't died at that time. I'm going to figure out where you are in a minute. And then I'm going to zero in on that area. And I'm going to dig around in your roots and see if I can't water your stump. You hear me? You said they didn't have nobody to give them the gospel. They didn't. Guess what they did when they sinned against God? What did Adam and Eve do? The Bible said that they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons, for they were naked. Now, don't let nobody kid you. They weren't naked before they fell. You mean to tell me, preacher, Adam and Eve walked through the garden clothed? I'm telling you, they walked through clothed. They were clothed with the glory of God. That's what you be clothed in in eternity. The glory of God. You think about that a minute. 
We call it, this word is not in the Bible, Shekinah glory. The Shekinah glory of God. Did you know Moses got just a portion of that little glory? And when he come back down on the earth and talked to him, they had to make him put a veil on his face because he was blind. And have you ever been around anybody who blinds you that they've been with God so close? I know you ain't. I ain't either. But they were clothed in the glory of God. And God said, Adam, where are you? First time in his life, him and Eve had ever went and hid. They were clothed then. They had on aprons. Aprons of fig leaves. Uh, not too many years back, we was knocking on some doors right down here at this road and went around and this fella was out there trimming around his fig bush. Have you ever seen old fig trees? they got some big old leaves. Have you ever got a hold of them leaves? And I thought about myself. Them so fuzziest, itching his thing. Don't you know that's got to be terrible? To make yourself an apron and put it around you. Itchy, I'm sure. That fellow was hauling him off. And I, I, I thought of that the first time I'd ever stopped long enough to feel fig leaves. And they were fuzzy and mm, didn't feel good. And God said, how come you hid? He said, I was naked and I hid myself. Who told you you was naked, Adam? Amen. And God said, well, I'm going to straighten that out. I'm going to give you the gospel. He said, how to give the gospel? He went out there and he killed some innocent animals. You said, I don't believe that. I don't believe God would have done that. Well, I do know this. God went into great detail with it and come out there. And you know what he done? He gave them coats of skin. Now, ladies and gentlemen, let me just say something to you. Uh, you may not agree with this, but you, it's just because you ain't thought about it for a while. And you don't like to be reminded of it when you think about it. And that is that a, a coat will cover more ground than an apron. And God put coats of skins on Adam and Eve. And I don't believe you come out there and slarched all that. I believe he cleaned them up and got them right. And I believe when they put them on, it felt glorious. God covered his nakedness with the gospel. Where's the gospel, preacher? He killed them animals and the blood was shed and sacrificed for their covering. And every time they... Sacrificed a lamb, a goat, a bullock, or whatever down through the Old Testament. It was falling right in line with what God said. I'm going to give you a sacrifice. This is the gospel. So when us preachers today preach that Jesus Christ went to the cross of Calvary, was hung there on a, on a, thie, on a cross with two, between two thieves, and gave himself as a ransom for our soul, that's the gospel that God's given to cover me and you with our sins. Amen. You said, we're not to give sacrifice today. What did I just read to you this morning? In Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you therefore by the mercies of our brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies 
a living sacrifice. What is that? A living sacrifice. You know what I used to say years ago as a young preacher, and I didn't know much about it then. I've, I still don't know a whole lot about it. But I sure am enjoying what I'm learning. Amen. I'm glad God still give me a kind of a, it ain't the best mind in the world, but it ain't all gone yet. Don't rule me out completely. Praise God. God still touch me. I, I sit down and think, and God gives me these things and it blesses my heart to know that I can still learn. And so I sit down and think, and God says, what I want you to do is present yourself, yourself, your body, a living sacrifice. But as a little old boy, little young man, when I was in my early 20s, I was pastoring churches, and I was in my 20s. What about that? And I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a looking at this, and I'm saying, Lord, I want to be willing to die for you. I want to die for you, Lord. I want to die for you. And every once in a while I get that old song, and I'm in the battle for the Lord. Amen. I hear that and sing that old song sometimes. And I'm willing to die for the Lord. But the Holy Ghost reminded me years ago, I don't want you to die for me. I want you to live for me. He said, I want you to present your body a living sacrifice. God wants us to live for Him. Now let's break this down a little bit. Well, I'm starting this message and I know I'm not going to finish it. I never finish it. Amen. I first started preaching 20 years or 50 years ago. Uh, I was trying to stretch it out to get at least five, ten minutes in preaching. And, uh, you know, I'd, I'd worry about it. And I'd talk a little slow every once in a while and hum a little bit or hum haw a little bit, is what I should have said, and uh, try to space it. But now I can just keep a going and it don't, it don't quit. He said, present your bodies a living sacrifice. Not only present your bodies a living sacrifice, but you got to go back and read it correctly. You present your bodies a holy sacrifice. You see another word, holy? Amen. He said, I'm not too holy. You better get right with God to get yourself on the altar. Now, God's not talking to lost men. You can't be a cussing and lay yourself on the altar and expect God to do something with you. You're going to have to deal with a sin problem in your life first. You said, preacher, I, I don't say too many cuss words just every once in a while. One too many. God take that stuff away from you. Oh boy, I just felt that and kind of died down in here a little bit. A preacher, I don't use too much cussing language. If you use any at all, there's problems. Amen, Amen preacher. I want you to know, you said, I, 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 don't, uh, I don't drink and, and try to call on God. No reason to. You got a problem. You need to get rid of that alcohol first. You got a sin. Now we're talking to believers People are born again and God wants us to put our bodies on the altar and there to be living sacrifices. There to be holy sacrifices. Don't approach God like you own the world with pride. Full of the devil and full of the world. 
and expect God to make you what He wants you to be. You're going to have to get rid of your sin. You say, preacher, have I got to get saved? Well, that's the ones God blesses. Now, you may be saved and out of, out of the will of God. I don't know your heart. You may be so far that you can't feel, feel the touch of God, the tug of God. You need to get that problem solved. Maybe you need to get saved. Maybe we're going to talk about it in a minute. Something else has slipped inside salvation. You see, I know I'm saved and I'm not, not even worried about that today. But when I come before the throne of God, I got to clean up sometimes before I can put myself on the altar. I can come to the throne of grace. There's a little difference there. The Bible said that we ought to come before the throne of grace boldly. Boldly. You know how bold he is, don't you? <laughs> come running into the throne of grace. But when you lay yourself on the altar, it's serious business. There's a difference between coming to the throne of grace. At the throne of grace, you get things took care of in your sin life. But at the altar, you get your days ahead took care of where God can use you. Sometimes I come to the throne of grace and I say, Lord, forgive me for thinking what I thought about oh so and so yesterday. Lord, forgive me what I said to somebody yesterday or day before. Lord, forgive me what I said to somebody today. I do that at the throne room. And if I don't do that and then put myself on the altar, God reminds me of those sins in my life that I haven't got straightened out yet. I don't have a perfect sacrifice to offer Him yet. Now, I can't make myself perfect. So therefore, I come to the throne room and say, Lord, forgive me of this and forgive me of that. See, He can make me a proper sacrifice. An acceptable... You're going to read that in a minute. An acceptable sacrifice. So, when you read this, a lot of times you're reading it wrong. Or not reading it completely. It's not wrong. It's just you're not reading it all. I mean, if you want to put... The, did you see what it said? It said, and I do this by punctuation lots of times, I beseech you therefore, he's got a comma, brethren, comma, so he's specifying who he's talking to. You don't have to ask Paul. Paul, who are you talking to? You're talking to the preacher down the street? You're talking to my uncle that lives up north? Are you talking to my neighbor right over here? No, I'm talking to you as a child of God. See that? Then a comma. And it says here, by the mercies of God. In other words, when you do this, it's only by the mercy of God that you can do it. See, I break it down, and that's how it helps me to study the Word of God. And he's got another comma. And then Paul says that she presents your bodies a living sacrifice. That's comma. Now what he's going to do, you know how you put commas between everything, and uh, looking at it, and then uh, uh, he'll, he'll put some other things there, and uh, he says... Holy, 
What's that mean? A holy sacrifice. Not only a living sacrifice, but a holy sacrifice. Sometimes we've got to clean up our act to get in touch with God in certain areas of our life. You don't have to clean up nothing to get saved. You can't clean up nothing to get saved. You can't make yourself any better. You can't pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. You were born to go to hell and you were born lost in sin. Did your mother conceive you? Amen. Bro, don't you know she brought you forth in the world of sin. And it's going to take God to save you. We're all together, aren't we? Ain't we on the same page? But now what's happened? You said, how come we got to give a living sacrifice? Well, God don't want an old dead sacrifice. Amen. Now y'all don't get excited. I'm going to buy me or rent me some Pentecostals. Y'all too dead. I mean, you sit around. Get this over. Now, this is exciting me. You see, I, I'm about ready to have a spell. And you're not. You're just sitting there looking at me. And I don't know where you come from, but this is good preaching. And I'm not bragging on me because I've learned a lot since I started this morning already. God's teaching me standing here before you. He's opening. Matter of fact, there's all the notes I got. I ain't even looked at them yet. I said, Lord, I preached on this before. He said, you're going to preach on it again. I said, I don't know what to say. He said, don't worry about it. I'm going to help you. Has he not? Amen. He's helped me. Amen. He said, a holy sacrifice comma again acceptable unto God so it's got to be when I present my body I'm not presenting anything else I'm presenting my, I'm not presenting my dog I'm not presenting my house I'm not presenting my car I'm not presenting my cat I don't have none of them but you understand I'm presenting me and when I present me I've got to be make sure it's a living sacrifice not dead a holy sacrifice. Holy just means uh, living right according to the Word of God. Amen. Following the Lord, the Lord, and acceptable under. In other words, it's got to be an, a, an acceptable sacrifice. If you don't believe that, you look at the Book of Genesis. Cain tilled the ground and brought forth what he had, and uh, he offered that. And as far as Cain. Was concerned he'd done the best. I believe he had the best seed, the best crop. I believe he had the best fruit. Nobody had any garden like Cain. But God said, I don't want that. I want blood. And Abel brought blood because that's the gospel. And God accepted Cain, uh, uh, Abel's offering and rejected Cain's offering. And that's what the Bible said. And so God's got to accept. You know why you've never been able to be blessed of God when you've prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and asked God to help you? Because you hadn't given Him an acceptable sacrifice, a holy sacrifice. You hear? Sin in your life and you know it. 
How many times you got down before God and noticed something in your life and you just kind of pushed it aside and overlooked it? And now you went on down the road and you kind of, you know, don't pay much attention to it and you wonder why the hand of God's not on you? You hadn't dealt with the sacrifice right. Suppose one of them little old Jews that had come up and said, you know what? Ain't nobody knows this. But I'm going to go down there tomorrow in my flock. And I don't want to give the best I can. I'm going to give the worst I've got. I've got one little old lamb down there. Something's wrong with this leg and it's walking around limping. I checked it out and can't find no burr. Can't find no briar. Can't find no thorn. I don't know what's wrong with it. I've looked it over. I've even doctored a little bit and it ain't got no better. And you know what, if I go out there and get one of my best little lambs and offer that, and then this right here turn around and die, I'm going to lose too. Nobody knows about this but me, so tomorrow I'm going to slip one in on God. I'm going to take this little lamb that's got a little blemish, and I'm going to offer it. And somehow, I'm hoping that the priest... Don't catch it. They could check them out, you know. And he just kept walking, moving around that little lamb. That priest is checking it out. And he finally the priest said, I don't see nothing because he kept the little lamb moving around a little bit. And, or maybe he had put a dollar or two in the hands of the priest. And they were in those days had some bad ones. And he took it and offered it. And uh, God didn't accept it. Showed up in his life. He said things like that don't show up. Oh, yes, it does. You can't pull one over on God. I was in South Carolina. We had this little old fella come in. I'm not preaching on tithing today. I'm not much of a money preacher. If I can just get you right with God, I don't have to worry about your money. Amen. I don't care how much you give to God. I really don't. Can I say that again? Most preachers care about what everybody gives. God didn't tell me to take care of that. He told me to preach. And if I preach to you and you get right with God, I don't have to worry about whether you're giving to God. I don't even pay on teaching when you take the offer. I don't care who. I don't want no treasure to tell me who's tithing, who ain't tithing. You with me? Well, that's kind of strange. I'd like to know if I was running the show. I ain't running the show. <laughs> some, some folks think I have. I've been accused of it. But I'm not running. I'm just the under-shepherd. He is the head of the church. Amen. Christ is. So, the old fella come to church one day. and He young fella. He had... A hardware store in town and a bunch of other hardware stores and other things all around. Didn't drive a fancy car, but he come there. And one day, they'd told me before I ever met him that God had blessed him because he was a giver. And uh, I asked him, I said, somebody told me you was giving more than 10% to the church I said, actually, somebody told me you was giving 40% of your income to the, to the church. And he said, I don't know who told you. I don't, don't bring that out to nobody. 
But he said, yeah. He said, I found out years ago that the more I give to God, the more He blessed me. And I give Him 40%. And he said, I'm thinking about upping it now to 50 now, can, can you imagine you ladies today if your husband come home and said, we're going to start giving 40% of our income? You'd find out whose side you was on. But guess what? I'm not advocating that you do that. Don't do it unless God tells you to. If you do that and God didn't tell you to do it, you'll starve death. And then you'll blame God. I wouldn't want you to blame God. Amen. Anybody ever heard of Laterno and Tekoa? Somebody reminded me of this this week. And uh, they said Laterno started up heavy equipment, made them fancy equipment down in Tekoa. And God blessed them in big old pieces of plunder scrape up that dirt and boy I mean it was fancy he could move dirt have you ever anybody ever read his you've read his book haven't you so I'm sure you're going to hear something but anyhow they asked him one time why 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 he said he come home one day and told his wife he said we're going to start giving 90% of our income anybody ever heard that Gonna give 90% of our income to the Lord and live off of 10%. And God just blessed him more and more and more. So that little old fellow says, I'll just get rid of that old bad sheep. I'll keep the best. Of them. I ain't gonna lose but one. Six months later, his sheep starts dying. He wonders what's happening. God said, I'm gonna get mine. <laughs> Amen. I don't think the Lord walked through the flock and picked out the sickly ones. I believe He got the best ones. Yep. So let's get off of that. He said, Amen. Holy, acceptable unto God. God wants an acceptable, reasonable sacrifice. Verse number two, and I'm on, I've got the introduction out of the way. I'll give you the message right quick. Verse two. And be not conformed. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I want to talk about two things. Religion and salvation. Many in our world today have got religion and don't have salvation. A fellow come to my house yesterday afternoon, know him well. And he told me, he said, I come to ask you, my sister's dying. They don't expect she'll live very much longer. Matter of fact, he called me this morning, right before I come to church, and told me she passed away through the night. She had cancer. And uh, he said, she wanted you to preach her funeral. I said, I know. She told me that many times. I said, I just hope she was ready to meet God. 
And uh, he said, I think she was. said, I remember we was talking about it the other day and she told me about when she was baptized over here in the river. Now that's all I heard about her salvation. Hadn't been to church in ages except a funeral or a wedding. Lived a pretty wicked life for a woman. And he asked me to preach a funeral. And I said, yes, I'll do what I can. And I'm going to. But let me tell you, many people are trusting church membership. They're trusting baptism. Or what they've done. I've got an uncle that is dead. And he gave a bunch of money for them to build a church and he trusted that till he died to help him get in. I know people who have joined the Masonic Lodge and just knew that the Masonic Lodge, one fellow told me, he said the Masonic Lodge will get me in. If they don't, the Baptist will. Fact is, neither one will. It's going to take Jesus Christ and the shed blood of the gospel to get him in. Religion will inform you. That means it'll put things in your brain and tell you things. It will reform you. It will remodel you. It will renovate you. It'll even repaint you. And when you get through, you'll be a refinished product of religion. You have no desire to live right, no desire to study the Word of God, no desire to go to the house of God, no desire to be clean and uh, dedicated and consecrated, no desire to stand up and be counted for Jesus because Jesus is not there. But the real salvation of God through the gospel will do the same as religion, it will inform you. When it will inform you and you believe it or reject it, if you believe it, it will not reform you, it will transform you. Being transformed is different than reformed because transform means you're made a brand new creature in Christ Jesus. Isn't that not what God said? And after it transforms you, the Bible will conform you to the image of God's own Son. Amen. And you find that in the Word of God. Amen. So which do you have? All you members, your Sunday school class when you was a five or six year old boy or girl? All you members of the choir that you sung in when you was just a little boy or girl? Or can you remember a time when you said, Oh God, forgive me of my sin, move into my heart, Save my soul. Change me. Can you remember that? Do you remember saying, Yes, Lord, I want you. And you repented. And the, God, the Lord God moved in and the devil of this world moved out. So many are holding on to God and the devil at the same time. One hand has it on God and the other hand has it on the devil. And you can't live like that. You're a miserable wretch. Whichever one you move for today, 
You need to give either one of them all your heart. If you're going to live for the devil, live for the devil. You're going to live for God, live for God, but make it the best you can. Now, I wouldn't advise the first one because it would take you to hell. If there's anything in this world that's a mess, somebody's straddling, I started to say faddling, but straddling the fence. I said too many church members now are so bow-legged because they've been straddling the fence. Can't walk straight, they wobble. Get on one side or the other. God said to land to see in church, you're not hot, you're not cold, you're lukewarm, and because of that, I'm going to spew you out. You coffee drinkers in here, if you're anything of a, don't call yourself a coffee drinker if you've got to put ice in it. Don't call yourself a coffee drinker if you've got to let it get cool. Amen. I know some of you in here, my daddy used to take it and slurp it out of the saucer and the cup. And I mean, uh, somebody told me this week, somebody was used to take it out of the pot and pour it down their throat. Now that's pretty bad. I, I had never got that. Don't, don't label me with that crap. I want to tell you, it's got to be a little cool. But I don't want it cold. I don't want it lukewarm. I don't, anything is, I'm drinking a cup of coffee and I get involved and next thing I pick it up and it's mm, cold. I'm like, mm, microwave. I'm fixing to nuke it. Hear me? Hot coffee. Somebody said, I just take the hot tea. Can't handle hot tea either. I can't handle tea, period. Amen. I sip on some every once in a while when I ain't got nothing else to drink. It's better than thirsty to death. But I'm not into the tea drinking business. Amen. And of course I know that's all. This hot tea is kind of like these, the, the cock, what did you call them? The uh, uh, ladies that's in the, you know, the little tea sipping society. Help yourself. I don't want it. I go somewhere. They give me a cup of coffee, and it's a little. You used, used to give me a cup of coffee. It's one of them little old bitty cups. If it's just the right temperature, and go. I call it a shot cup for coffee, and I, and I don't like to do that because that associates it with drinking, and I've never been an alcohol, so I don't know. I don't want a shot of coffee. Give me a cup. I usually drink a large cup and I drink it. By the way, amen. Well, I appreciate it. But what kind of sacrifice you're supposed to give? A living sacrifice, a holy sacrifice, and an acceptable sacrifice. Amen. Heads bowed. Are you saved? I'm asking you a question.